always have things that you're training them to do. And then they'll, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Amen. They'll appreciate it like I appreciate mine. Amen. <laughs> After all these years, I appreciate things that my mother taught me. So it's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing. So today we're going to talk about faith for the next step. Amen. Faith for the next step. Faith for the next step. What do we do when we're led by the Spirit, but the next step is not the promise, and we know it? What do we do when that happens? You got me? Huh? You don't quit, you don't faint, you don't... Play that again, little Howard. They didn't get it the first time. Yeah, play it again. (laughs) You got it? (laughs) Don't act like your kids and your grandkids and your kids didn't make you watch that movie with them. I don't watch Finding Nemo so many times, it's pathetic, but uh, I got the message, amen? So if you don't know what the next step is, and the next step is not what you are looking for, what do you do? You keep swimming, amen? You just keep swimming. Just keep doing what you normally do. Do what's natural to you, amen? As a believer, not get off into a carnal realm. But just keep going in the direction God has you because faith is only enough faith for the next step. The next step may be the promise. It may be what completes your vision. It may be exactly what you're asking for. But then after you get promises from God, there are more promises. And you've got to take another step and keep swimming. But don't get discouraged. Don't faint. Don't fall out. Don't get mad with God. Don't get mad with people. Play that again, little Howard. That's going to be my little song. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So you do what you've been doing to get there. You do what you normally do. You leave, lead a normal Christian life. You don't quit doing. You don't quit giving. You don't quit understanding the word. Don't quit reaching out to God. Just keep swimming in the realm that you've been in all this time. And eventually God will come to you and give you the next step. But guess what happens if you quit? No next step. You got me? If you quit, you grow faint, you get weary, and you're thinking, oh, it's time for this and it's time for that. And you start trying to call the shots, huh? you'll lose your place. Amen. Because we don't call time on when it's time for God to come through for us. Amen. He likes to surprise us. I was listening to Jan, and she was saying nobody was aware. Huh? But God had prepared her heart that this would be her year and he was going to take care of her. He always takes care of us. Amen. And so for her, it came in a suddenly fashion. And so that's really what God likes to do many, many times is just to show us 
who he is when he shows up and does a thing he wants everybody to know it's god you got me he wants everybody to know that it is god and so when we uh understand these things and understand what god's doing how he's helping us the way that he's blessing us so forth and so on chuck can you get some of those little small notebooks i gave you this morning so we can have people i know sometimes you're not expecting to have to do all this but i got some pens up here if you want to take notes it's good to take notes when you believe in god and trust in him for things so praise god miss chuck's gonna bring you notebooks okay rach all right good so but when god promises us something he will keep his word you got me he will keep his word you don't keep his word for him amen and you don't take over when you've asked god for something amen god is not a man that he should lie amen he won't lie to you if he tells you he's going to do something he likes it when we trust him he likes it when we don't go out on our own trying to fend for his ourselves because he know we failed at it so many times and it's like it's time for you to relax and let me take the reins is what he's saying to you you know can you finally settle down and just trust me and trust that i'm doing what's good for you and what's right for you i won't fail you i won't disappoint you you know i can remember there were times where where my late husband would uh you know i would i would we would talk about things and i would say something like i said oh yeah i like that or you know something like that or i like to have one just in casual conversation and so if i wanted it i went and got it he never spoke up and said i'm gonna get it for you (laughs) now there's a there's a difference between men and god you got me and this is what we need to know if man makes you a promise and you know that that person will make good on it then that's one thing but if god makes you a promise you can take that to the bank huh and so i would tell we would get into this this uh, struggle all the time or well i wanted to get that for you well you didn't move soon enough (laughs) how i know you gonna get me anything huh you promised me nothing i mean you know most of the time you're trying to fight to keep me from getting all all up in that pocket (laughs) you know what i'm saying but see god is consistent this is why we don't trust people because half the time they trying to hide their stuff from us and anybody married been married think about getting married you, you, you will take some notes now y'all need to write this write this one down don't let that brother tell you nothing that he gonna do without a down payment on it you got me because jesus shed his blood chuck we need one more over here chuck one more yeah jesus shed that's his down payment on everything that he's promised you it's his shed blood he shed it already he promising to shed nothing see we got evidence that our promises are paid for i don't blame y'all for not trusting well we won't go you know take a brother's word for nothing you understand what i'm saying if you can get to the store before he can go most only good for birthdays and sometimes mother's day if you got kids they forget that real easy go get your mama something and they co-sign it you know what i'm talking about that's life 
<laughs> That's right, Ms. No. Have you a good time. It's time to laugh. I said it. You didn't say it. So you can laugh about it. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. People wear you out looking to them. And see, many times we lump God in with people because we've been disappointed. Because people can only do so much. You understand what I'm saying? You live with somebody every day. You know what they can do. You know when they trying to believe and trying to promise you, and you know when they flat out lying, too. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> huh? When they start coming in there with stuff and you, you don't know where they got the money from, then it's time to start really start praying. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Of course, it depends on what it is. No. All right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get back to the word. All right. So we need to accept the fact that faith is a walk. It is not a leap. Um, faith is a walk. It's not a leap. And we have to be careful of this because many times when you read the Bible, they go from one bad thing and then the next, next day they, everything's all good again. But they walked to that next step. You know, the Bible just compacts it so that we don't have to read too much because <laughs> you ain't going to do it. And, so, and we like that kind of action from God. We like to know that God is going to do the things that he says he's going to do. But we still need to understand that we walk by faith and not by sight. If you were just uh, say like in normal life, say a natural life, we easily accept the fact that if we keep walking, we'll get to where we're going. You know, you're not mad at, at the concrete because it won't speed you up. And you're not mad at the, uh, you know, your shoes because they won't take you faster. You accept the fact that if you've got to get up and walk from your seat where you are to the front door, it's going to take step after step after step after step. Well, we have to be the same way with spiritual things. Amen. It takes step after step after step at a step, and we can only go one step at a time. So we accept it in the natural. If we keep walking, we will eventually reach our destination. We see where we are going because of natural sight. So when you get up to go somewhere, say if you're going to work every day, you are not frustrated and angry and think that you're not going to get there. You know you're going to get there because of natural sight. But the walk of faith is a little different. We must believe, which has nothing to do with sight. It's an inner knowing. It's not always an inner seeing. We don't always get a vision. We don't always get a dream. We don't always get a picture in our minds. In fact, as believers, we should be beyond that level. Of wanting God to show us something all the time. You know, I mean, come on now. He's shown us enough already. And so if we, we really trust God, we'll know that we can have a knowing on the inside of us, an assurance on the inside. Faith is more of a confidence and an assurance than it is of seeing anything. You know, it's a, like with, we talk about with spiritual eyes. You don't always see that. In fact, I don't always see a lot of things. And I, you know, I have a, an ability to see if God gives it to me, but I don't really just press God for showing me a lot of stuff 
all the time. You understand what I'm saying? I like living by faith. I like walking by faith. I like walking every day in the confidence knowing that if God told me he's going to do something, he's going to do it. I know he's going to take care of me. I know he's not going to leave me. If I got a problem, he's not going to leave me high and dry and I can't go to him for help for that. I know those things. So I can walk in an assurance every day anticipating good, not fearing bad, because I know God is there for me and he's going to help me in every situation I get into. And if I do wrong, I can I know how to warm it up and go to God and tell him I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry when I don't need to be sorry. You understand what I'm saying? Just because God has done so much and he's so wonderful to all of us, we can definitely acknowledge his holiness and acknowledge his righteousness and the fact that we have not done anything to deserve to have all of the good things that he does for us. His son did it all for us. So we live in the power of what Jesus did. We don't live in our own power. And so I'm I'm not one to put off and don't want to be wrong and don't want to to argue with, you know, I did this right. I don't have to win. Nobody's argument about it. I can easily be wrong, you understand me, and apologize for it. So this walk of faith is a little different. We must believe that we will get something. We have to believe we've received it already before we get it. Uh, Because faith assurance is just that confident. You have to believe that you've received something before you get it. Because you have. What have you received? You've received his word. And his word will come to pass. He'll do what he says he's going to do. If he gives you his word for something, you've received what it is that you asked him for. And so when we understand that the walk of faith is just moving toward what we desire, and the things that we desire are are not going to cause a big revolution in your life. You know what I'm saying? It'll the The real thing that you have... That you live out of is a day-to-day relationship. You got me? You know, married people understand this. You know, you just had to get married, had to have this person or had to have that person. Now you got them. Oh. Huh? It's everyday life now. But everyday life with God can be an exciting life, an adventurous life, a peaceful life, a rich life. All of those things, it will learn to enjoy and keep that as your main focus. Because God wants us to really to be, he wants to be the focus of our lives all the time. Not what he can do for us, not for the good he's done for us, but for enjoying him as he is relating to us every day. That's that's really what this walk, it's not about going from the pit to the palace. It's not about you know prophesying you know great things and you got greatness in you yeah but you got god and he's great you understand what i'm saying i mean it's you a little g he's the big g you understand what i'm saying so let us keep this in perspective the whole the whole problem with humankind is the loss of fellowship with god when when adam and eve disobeyed god they were disconnected from him and that was the big thing The big thing wasn't being in a garden and being able to eat from the trees all the time. The big thing was the fellowship and companionship. To have the constant 
peaceful fellowship with God that they had enjoyed before they disobeyed him. And so that's what's been restored to us in Jesus Christ is the continual fellowship with God, fellowship in the Holy Spirit, being attentive to what God would tell you and in how he would encourage you. Sometimes God will will not say anything about things for a long period of time because you've got to learn how to live by faith. You've got to learn to live off the last good thing he told you. And remember that and understand that anything else that he said he was going to give you, that's coming. You understand? Well, that's coming too. And not be so concerned about gimme, 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 gimme all the time. All the time. And so as believers, we have to stay confident in relationship with God. We have to be confident in, in what he's promised us. He, he's, he definitely will do it. We don't have to watch over him and make sure he watches over his word to perform it. We don't have to watch over his word to see if he does something. Amen. He does that by himself. God all by himself. So when we, the, because the walk of faith is a little different. We have to believe we will get there. We have to believe we will achieve the things God has for us. The only thing is we don't know when. And that's what bothers us. Because when you're driving, going to work, you know when you'll get there. You know, you, you know, and you'll know when you'll give yourself enough time to get there. Because your little palms are sweating and you're mad at everybody. Oh, here's another red light. You get on the freeway so you put the pedal to the metal. Uh, blow everybody off, but you know, and then people get road rage, and you'll understand what's wrong with them. Uh, they've been driving beside you all morning. Uh, so we get bugged when we don't know when something will happen. That's the when of it bugs us. I remember Fred Price made a, a, a statement, which I remember, uh, because, you know, some things, are, they're profound. You write them down. You know, if they move you, you make note of them. And he says now, he said, you, when you begin to, to believe God for something, he says, you must believe you received it already, and the, um, the amount of time that it takes for it to come cannot be an issue with you any longer. Once you believe, time is not an issue anymore. You got me? And so when we understand that God, when we, God says he will, and you're confident that he will, then you know that time is not a factor to God. You got me? He will do it, and time can't be a factor to you either. You've got to drop the sweating about when, where, how, and is he going to come through, and what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, what am I going to wear? You know, that's the, those are the three areas where the devil ensnares us. Jesus said, in your life more than that kind of stuff? I mean, come on, your life consists of so many more things if you look at it. It's not about just mere material things. It's about how you live, what you think, and the integrity that you have. What plans have I made for you? And stepping out into the great call that I have for you. Amen? And getting beyond just the, the things that the heathen are concerned about. So we want, the, we want the faith walk to be over so we can live by sight. That's what most of us want. When you're tired of living by faith, it's because you want that thing to be over so you can start walking by sight again. And God won't let you. 
Uh-huh. God won't let you. Amen. He won't. He loves you too much to let you go back to living like you used to live before you knew him. So if you don't know when it's going to end and you don't know when it's going to happen, that's good for you. Because God does. And he wants you to keep walking with him. It, it, Brother Summerall used to do a thing. Uh, he he would go into a town and, and he, you know, if people would come, they would have two services on Sunday. I mean, a lot of churches are doing good to have one 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 service a week. Do you realize that many churches have gone to only a Sunday service? They came people to get people to come out during the week. You got me? Somebody ain't praying for something or something. I don't know what it is, but this is what happens when people start to fall away from the faith. They just go and do what they want to do and don't support the thing that supports them. And that's very, very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. But Brother Summerall would would, uh, have a Sunday morning service. And he said, uh, come back tonight, and I'll tell you what date Jesus is coming back. And the place would be packed. So then he'd open the Bible and said, no man knows the day and the hour. He said, because he said, if God told you, most of you would live for the devil until he came back, till the minute he came. <laughs> All the curiosity seekers. Huh? It's just something that teases the carnal man, you know. But but we want to know all of these details. Why? So we can manage things the way we want to manage them. Amen. So we can drive the car for a change. We don't want God driving the car, honey. We want the wheel again. Huh? So our faith will try us. Huh? And we may feel overtried or exhausted by the prospect of continuing without seeing anything. Oh, this is too much, God. I mean, I got to know something. I mean, I don't even know if I'm, yes, you do. I don't even know if I'm believing right. Mm. Try to manipulate God into telling you something. He ain't telling you nothing. Huh? Not telling you a thing. His grace is sufficient for you in all things. You have enough power within you to withstand any pressure that comes against you. Mm. Any pressure. If we were physically blind, we would need a guide, wouldn't we? Amen. Somebody to help us, to assist us with getting our goals realized, moving from place to place. So in the walk of faith, we need a guide as well. And you have one. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. So when you feel like you just got to, got to, got to know, got to, got to, got to said, I just got to get it. I got to, got to, got to. When you get the God that's on you, then the Holy Spirit is the one who helps you let go of your goddess. Amen. And pick up the patience of God. Pick up the, the knowledge of God. Pick up the grace of God. Pick up the understanding of God. You can make it through not knowing certain things. So we don't want like walking by faith. So we must lean on the Holy Spirit to keep us through the trying of our faith. Now, what is that? When you're trying something, it's not God's faith that's on on trial. It's yours. Your faith is the faith of the Son of God if you'll put your trust in him. Amen. So what's being tried is your ability to hold on to the faith of God and continue in the faith of God and not let go of that and start picking up your natural faith again. 
Are you holding on to the faith? Now, see, when we talk about the faith of God, Jesus' faith allowed him to be tempted in all points yet without sin. His faith allowed him to endure hardship like a good soldier. His faith it allowed him to overcome every obstacle that needed to be overcome to preserve his life, to walk into dangerous situations without fear and without turning back. His faith allowed him to do all of those things. And those are the very things that we keep. We think if they happen to us, we think it ain't God. Huh? We get in a dangerous situation, we start rebuking the devil, huh? And he don't buke so easily. That's probably God stretching your faith to the realm of endurance. Huh? You know, when you're a new Christian, he'll give you a lot of stuff. Huh? Just like you did when your babies, when they would cry. I don't care what time it was, you know, mothers especially, you sat bolt upright in your eyes, got focused real quick, you ran, got that ball and huh? plugged up that well because they would holler all night long till they got something. That's the way we do when we're knowing God. But you can't stay like that all the time. If your 45-year-old son is screaming, ah, you liable to go get your luger and plug him in his ankles. Not talking about nobody. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? You know you got you to use a different tack to shut that rascal up. You know a pacifier ain't going to do it no more. Stop that for good. Huh? <laughs> Just true. Because it's obnoxious to hear a grown person screaming like a little baby like they can't i mean you mean you can't go for five minutes without god doing something for you come on now see that's your natural man your natural man knows nothing about god he knows nothing about faith he knows not all he knows i want to want to want to gotta 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 have it now huh that's all he wants is whatever he wants right now right now right now And so we have to know the difference. We have to know, now wait a minute, God, this is my flesh getting involved here. I'm going to put this thing down. I'm going to give, give me a scripture to get me back over into mellow with you. Let me be mellow with you the way I like to be. Huh? Cruising along. You know, the devil will start, you know, he'll see you being peaceful about things and calm with God. And he said, when's you, when you going to get some? It's been a long time. Hang around, devil. It'll be longer yet, but you ain't going to be there. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be in heaven, and you're going to be in H-E-double-L. Huh? (laughs) Right. I could care less, devil. I'll go to heaven believing God for some stuff. I don't have to have everything down here where you can mess with it. Sometimes the less you have, the more you have to be bothered with. Trying to keep his little nasty hands off of. It's the truth. You know, I see these people. I see the little house nation coming up. That Before, everybody wanted big houses with granite countertops and all this. Now we're in tiny house now. Everybody want a tiny house all of a sudden. You know, you can't please some people. They, but people want less trouble, less headache, less responsibility. They want less of everything sometimes. So it's a good thing to just be patient with God. Allow the, the fruit of patience 
to come through. The Bible says if you, if you, if you are tested, he said you're to count it all joy when these things happen to you. Quit whining. Quit telling God you got to have something all of a sudden. He said, why? Because you know this. This is something you know. Or if you don't know, know it now. That the testing of your faith brings about patience. Huh? Patience, endurance. And it's because you can be whole lacking nothing. One thing we lack oftentimes is patience and the ability to endure. How are you going to stay saved until you leave this earth? You can't be jumping out of God's face every time something happens that you think you you think you're supposed to have it, huh? It's the truth. You have to be patient and trust Him that He knows what's good for you, huh? You know, people want to get all testy with God. Well, you mean it's wrong to want? Yes, I said it. It's wrong to want it like that. There's a right way to want everything, huh? You talk about wrong ways, honey, there's some people that'll go see a, a, a psychic or a witch doctor or reader to put a spell on you to get something they want. Huh? Why do you think so many men walk away from their families because they take drugs? You don't think that drug is witchcraft? We, got, we tolerate so much witchcraft in the world today, it's pathetic. Huh? It's a good thing. There's people I, I know that, that, you know, stole somebody's husband or something. I said, Lord, just don't let me walk into them. Don't let me see her. Because I got a mouthful. Let me see what you, I've never seen a real witch before. This is what y'all look like. You can't get nothing unless you're stealing it from somebody else. That's what witches do. See, don't, and, and you will use drugs to get him. Hmm, I never met a woman who would drug a man just to get him to the altar. Yeah. Yeah. This what y'all look like? Yeah. Now, I don't want to run into nobody like that because I might have to carry something else. So, because <laughs> she get mad at me. <laughs> but the devil will do anything to mess your life up. You get somebody to sink so low, they'll keep a man doped up just so they can keep him. A lot of women like that. They tolerate them drinking. They tolerate them taking dope. We'll take their their little uh, checks that they get and buy it for them. They just try. They just keeping somebody around. They paying to keep somebody around. Mm-hmm. You keep living for God. You nothing to feel bad about if you. Let a man stay sober and come and go as he please. Just, you know, keep serving God. You understand me? Keep being a woman of integrity. You don't want nothing. You got to dope up to keep it around. As we walk by faith, the Holy Spirit reassures us. We get This is all we need. When you get tired of waiting on stuff, all you need is Holy Ghost reassurance. And and go get in the word yourself. Don't let the Holy Spirit have to keep coaxing you and teaching you and spoon feeding you. Go find you a scripture. Find the one that you you uh, started out with when you started believing God for what you just need a reassurance about it. You know, listening to uh, people at your job and people's complaints and all that to get your mind 
and your soul confused about certain things. And pretty soon you've walked away mentally from the word of God. So you need to get in there every day. You need to have your time in the word of God every day. Understanding what you need for yourself. Preachers are notorious. They'll go to the word when they need a teaching or they need some for somebody else. But oftentimes will neglect their own spiritual growth and development and we need to stop doing that you need to be in the word all the time for yourself so as we walk by faith the holy spirit reassures us that we are still in the race and then we continue in faith it's amazing how these little moods will pass us one day you was all fit to be tied couldn't wait another day and all that kind of stuff and the next day you was all mellow again That's because your focus got back on God. You were distracted looking at lack. You know, in the world, you're going to have lack, period. And that's always an indication. If you're so focused on what you don't have. You know, the devil loves getting us over now. If he can get distract your attention with bills and what's missing and what you're waiting on and all. Just don't go there. Keep your contentment in God. Don't let him get you distracted about. And then you get mad because you don't have stuff. Well, who told you you're supposed to have it already? You know? God brings stuff in due season. But he wants to see us continue to sow in righteousness. This is a challenge. Every minute you waste thinking about what you don't have. Every minute you waste uh, trying to, to, to complain about something that you, every minute you waste is a minute you wasted where you could have sown righteous seed and now you're building up unrighteous. You don't have time like that. We don't have time to waste like that. We got just enough time to be obedient to God so we can get all the things that he told us and be responsible for what he told us we're supposed to be responsible for. So God wants us always to continue in faith. So the Holy Spirit reassures us God is still going to do that for you. He's still going to take care of you. Suppose you don't get the biggie. You're going to fall out with God. People say, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Maybe we need to talk about that a little bit. If you're that scared of it. huh? I remember the day I had to tell God. I said, you know, if, if my marriage never straightens out, if this crazy brother walk off and leave me, just don't let him take. <laughs> I mean, come on now, girls. We just walk out naked. Naked you came into this world. Naked you leave it here. <laughs> I'll be good today, Lord. I'm going to be good. I said I was going to be good today. Just can't be good, I guess. Huh? I mean, you can leave out of here with nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, that'll stop them. <laughs> they think you go crazy for real. See, I had a reputation to keep. I was crazy. I went to the nut house, and then when I found Jesus, he thought I was crazier. I had a reputation to keep. Huh? You know, I'll ask him, I said, what did you have when you met me? And then when they start thinking, you know you got them. You got them. <laughs> Keep reeling in. Reeling in. Uh, oh. They start. Let me think. What did I? <laughs> I don't know. I've been here so long. I guess I'll stay. That's what I'm talking about. 
Put that bag down. You ain't packing nothing up in here. Ah, wee. Okay, Psalm 16. We'll go there. <laughs> so when we have no encouragement or things are, are at a standstill, we can still rest in hope. That's what you do. You don't have to have faith a mile an hour and be confessing the word 55 times in a minute you know how you we know we fainting and we losing it and we just try to confess ourselves back into a happy place i know i didn't try it at all huh try to make that worry go away go away with a good confession and it ain't working so it works most times but sometimes it won't work the bible says you can rest in hope psalm 16 i think it is verse 8 i have set the lord always before me that's all that's wrong you lost your focus walking by faith is usually our joy and our delight it's a walk that's unencumbered you don't have to worry about you don't have to take problems with you everywhere you go when you walk by faith amen you can let that stuff go and have a contentment and know that god is taking care of things for you And he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. God is at your right hand all the time. You don't have to be moved by anything. The Bible says we will not be afraid of bad news, evil tidings. You're not because your heart is fixed. You trust in God. You know that, that, as Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Huh? If God kills you, just go to, go to be with the Lord. Are you kidding me? You better trust God. That will keep you worried about illness and sickness and all this kind of stuff. And keep you wound up and, and crazy and all that nonsense. You've got to understand that everything you have belongs to God. The length of your days is in his hands. You don't know how long you're going to be here. You kind of hope you'll be around for a while. You understand what I'm saying? But nobody just knows. You don't plan to live leave here by accident or anything like that. And God will honor those desires. But you can't let the devil keep picking at you and bugging you about stuff like that. You've got to learn how to let that go. Huh? Let it all go. You know, you can tell if you're moved by stuff. The thought of it just upsets you. You know, those things you need to, to really give over to the Lord. You can't, you can't do anything about all that stuff. So it says here in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be moved. Not in your own strength, but because he's there holding you up. He is your strength. You won't be moved. He keeps you positioned where you're supposed to be. Therefore, my heart is glad. You're not worried. You're not fretful. You're not at the end of your rope. You're not ready to quit. Your heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh, him, yes, him, shall also rest in hope. So you can tell your flesh man to simmer down. We're going to get there. Uh, <laughs> if you ain't dead by then, if you're around, when I get it, we'll get there. You understand? But your flesh will settle down and not bug you so much. 
because your hope is in God. You're not taking another step of faith. It's not, it's not pulling you toward it necessarily. But you can park there for a season because your heart is all still set on it. You rest in hope. Huh? Faith is the substance of what you hope for. If there's no substance available to you to take the next step toward it, you rest in the hope that you'll get it. Hope is not a bad word. Huh? It's not. Hope is a good word. Hope is that light at the end of the tunnel, folks, that we all need to keep us alive from day to day. Hope is something that you believe and you want to see happen. It gives you something to desire. It gives you something to look forward to. That's what your hope is. Our hope is always in God. He has good things stored up for us at all times. So when we have no encouragement or things are at a standstill, we can rest in hope. So just take a breather. But hang on to hope without losing heart. Man, hang on to hope without losing heart. It's something that you can focus on. Rejoice in the Lord and lean on him all the more. Just as a blind person, when they come into an unfamiliar place, they will cling more closely to whoever it is that's helping them, to their guide, you know, so they don't falter and stumble. That's the way we do with God. Because we are like blind people in this walk of faith. You can't see where you're going. Not in the spirit and not in the natural. So we have to cling to the Lord and trust securely in him and know that the next step is coming in its time. There will be a next step. Many times we get to the next step and scared to take it. Huh? I mean, won't God, oh God, God's going to do this. He's going to give me, and then the door opens and you look, huh? Huh? Ooh, that's a big door. Ooh. Oh, keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Huh? <laughs> it's scared to swim now. Huh? <laughs> In Genesis 37, you'll see the story of Joseph. We're going to talk about him a little bit. You can say so many things in this story. So many great principles are laid down for us to understand about the call of God. But in... in the, Genesis 37, verse 5. Joseph dreamed a dream, and he's told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. They hated him. They already hated him. He's the daddy's favorite kid, and, you know, the daddy didn't make any bones about him being the favorite. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you got a lot of kids by a lot of different women. I just threw that in for nothing. Oftentimes, none of them are the favorite. They're still looking for a, a child that they can feel good about. You understand me? There's, there's pain with that. You know, sin brings pain. It just is, it's a hard way to go, folks. Hard way to go. That's why you believe God for things. Huh? So you don't have to go the hard way. You don't have to go the hard way. But don't expect something from somebody that can't give it. Hmm? I mean, I'm serious. Let let the Lord be your children's father. Let the Lord be your husband. You know, and that's not just something to say, but it's a reality for all of us. You understand what I'm saying? I had to let the Lord be my husband in a brand new way when my husband passed away. 
when he was alive, you don't think even think about those things. So we all get there at some point. Amen. We all arrive at that destination where we need God to be that person because there is nobody physically there. You understand what I'm saying? Or the person that's there physically is not functioning. You understand what I'm saying? So God has to be that person that you rely on as a father to your children, as a husband to you, all of those things. He is those things to you if you'll let him be it. So anyway, Joseph had a dream of himself as a person of influence and power. Unfortunately, he was already disliked by his brothers. They said in in verse 5, they hated him yet more. And he said to them, here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. So he's ready to run and tell everybody. Some things you you need to have wisdom. This is the thing. God knew he was going to blab it when he gave it to him. Why did God let him have that dream? Why did God let him have that dream? We all had a potential to blab him when we. <laughs> I mean, who's he going to give it to that ain't going to mess it up? Huh? Seriously, now you think about it. It's easy to get in the flesh with something that's spiritual and holy. It's easy. We do it all the time. Sometimes you, you, you know, you think about God doing something good for you and, you know, and, and uh, all the good things that are going to happen. It's easy to go from uh, being excited in the spirit about it to over in the flesh. You see what I'm saying? So God has to kind of pull you back and keep you in the right place. So we all have the potential of messing it up like he did. You got me? So, it, but Joseph himself told his brethren but the dream really was a simile or it was a figure of something that was going to happen and he says here here this dream what let me let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you what let me tell you what a dream let me tell you you. behold verse 7 we were binding sheaves in the field and lo my sheaf arose and stood upright and behold your sheaves stood around about and bowed to mine And his brethren said, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you have dominion over us? Because he was the youngest one, except for Benjamin. So he's telling them, I was a, a, I, we all had some wheat and the wheat, you know, your wheat bowed to my wheat and mine was taller than yours and blah, 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 blah. Then he had another dream and the daddy was bowing to him. Amen. So in this dream, and this is what God does to protect the dream. There's a protection built in, even though we blab everything out of season, go bragging on what God told us and how we're going to do this and how we're going to. Now, I've been excited about things God told me, but I realized very, very quickly to keep them to myself. (laughs) You get around the saints for like five minutes and somebody will take what you just said and step on it and kill it if they can. You say, oh, wait a minute, I did something wrong there. I was just excited. I better keep my mouth shut in my excitement. Got me? And so, uh, you know, you learn very easily how to do like Mary did. I'm going to keep this one to myself. I can't tell nobody about this one right here. I know it's God. I don't have to prove it to nobody. I'm going to keep it to myself. And so when he dreamed this other dream, he told it to his father and to his brother. So he stand up there with his fabulous coat. His daddy done made him, you know, 
looking like a, a Gucci model, you know. All the rest of them brothers. Now, now he, the dad would send Joseph to spy on the brothers to sure they were working. So the brothers in their overalls and nasty feet and sandals, stip, stip, uh, you know, trying to keep from stepping in sheep poo all day long. And Joseph come out there like a, a Calvin Klein model. Is it? Yeah, Daddy sent me out here. Don't you know they want to kill that brother? Huh? You know, a lot of times the older ones want to kill the younger ones just because they're here. Now, I know the Duggars had hid some of them babies from some of them little mean older brothers. <laughs> Michelle probably said, you can't have a buddy just yet. You better let me stay. You stay here with me for a minute till they get used to you. You understand what I'm saying? But anyway, but the, you know, sometimes the older kid, because he got to move over, he don't get all the attention anymore. He want to yank that little one out of there and drag him all through the house. And he says, Mama, the baby crying, and you dragging him, <laughs> pulled him out the crib, and here he is. What's left of him, you know. True that. But anyway, they, they want to get rid of Joseph. Huh? Sick of him. So Joseph then has to get to a place where God can make that dream real. That's what we don't like. We don't like the process of God making the dream or the vision or the promise real. Because if we're going blabbing it to everybody, he can't trust us with much. So he's got to get us to the place where he can trust us. we got to discern What's, what belongs to us, between us and God, what, what to announce to people, what to tell them about. All that. We've got to learn. We've got to do some growing up before we, he can give us the fullness of all of those things. And so Joseph then, because the dream was in a figure or a simile, wheat bowing down the sheaves of wheat, there was no time specified as to when it would occur. But he knew that the big guy was him. He knew that there was something he was going to do that would give him rulership, lordship, authority, dominion, or something over his father and his brethren. He didn't know if, you know, sometimes in in your carnality trying to figure out what it means, you know, his mind might have gone all kinds of places. Well, maybe something's going to happen to my older brothers. Well, it would have to get 11 of them before, 10 of them before it got down to him. So you can't figure out what it is that very easily what God has in store for you. But you just know that it's going to be something different. It's going to be something unusual, something unique, something dynamic, something where that's important somehow for God to give that to you. You'll have some importance in the world. But that's true for all of us. We are, because we're kingdom people, we are people of importance from the greatest to the least of us. We're all important people. So God had to show this. Uh, 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 one of the things that God does when he gives us these understandings of what's going to happen. Everything will happen in its, its season. It will, it will come to pass in its own season. So why did God show this part of his life to Joseph. In other words, he had to show Joseph many things about his future. But why did he choose this part? Because God shows significant things to us. Anything that's strictly kingdom related, he will reveal to us. 
Why? Because the kingdom comes first. He shows us in what he reveals to us, number one, what's important to him. What's important to God in Joseph's life was that even though Joseph was a, a spoiled brat, he was also a gifted child. God had chosen Joseph before the foundation of the earth. God doesn't choose, quote unquote, the nicest kid in the family all the time. That would be pretty obvious. You got me? He puts treasure in earthen vessels. He likes to choose unlikely people, number one, to confound the wisdom of the wise and also to confound the prince of this world. Because if if God had a distinct pattern in how he chose people all the time, it would be easy for the devil to figure that out and snuff them all out before they even get here. You got me? And so God will put gifts in unlikely people sometimes to hide the value of the gift by putting it in a very damaged uh, earthen vessel. Like me or like you. We're not, the Bible says not many wise, not many noble, not many, uh, not much royalty is called into this life. Why? Because God has to confound the wisdom of the wise. If he set up a pattern with people, and you know, it's hard enough when you're called just to survive under normal circumstances because the devil knows enough about you to know your value to God anyway. Once you start understanding some things about God, then you're more of a threat to him. And he tries even harder to stop your advance in God's kingdom. But God, what the devil tries hard, God tries even harder to protect. He'll double up your protection just so you're not damaged once he invests something in you. You hear me? Oftentimes, we're the last ones to know it. Huh? We are. We don't know the value we have in the earth, and you can tell because some people don't live like they think they have much value, even after they're saved. I won't go there because I don't want to go down that road today. But, but, you know, parents, you need to keep reiterating to your children, God has put you here for a reason. God is going to use you to do. God is keep putting God's value into them. And pretty soon they'll start to act differently and come up to the value of God. You got me? That's what you want. You don't want them to start getting successful in their own strength. huh? They'll have to go down some notches before they find God. And that's going to be painful for everybody. They're not going to like that. But it'll be worth it. I know it will be because it happened to me. Huh? It'll be worth it. It's worth it. I don't care anything about any of that stuff I thought I was, was so important for me to do before I met the Lord. I don't long for that. You know, I don't long to be a nurse or whatever I was doing. I forget what I was doing. I've done some of everything. But, you know, I don't. Mm-mm. Not missing anything from that life. You understand me? Not missing a thing. Well, you know, sometimes God calls people to great things, and if it's not great, it's not God. That depends on your definition of great. Huh? I felt I was called to great things when I would just pray in tongues, you know, in my kitchen washing dishes. Huh? I made it through another day. You understand? That was great to me. Huh? I could feel my mind getting healed from depression. That was great to me, honey. So how could God top that? You understand what I'm saying? You got to know what great is. Talk this nonsense stuff about 
what great is. People have their own crazy definitions. But God will show us kingdom-related goals in our life. The things that he reveals to us are, are important to him as well. Amen? What he doesn't reveal. Many times God will reveal who somebody's uh, spouse is before they're married to him. Why? It's important to him for you to marry that person. Huh? It's important to him even if it's not important to you. Do you understand me? Sometimes you'll get a better understanding of who God is because he'll start to reveal what's important to him. If it doesn't matter who you marry to, he won't mess with you a whole lot on that. You understand what I'm saying? Because he knows you're going to go find somebody anyway. He reveals those things to people that he knows enough about that they will wait. They will be patient because it's important. He will share his heart with you in such a way that it is important. What's important to him is important to you in the same manner. You got me? Where you wouldn't dare think. Of marrying somebody this way or marrying somebody. You understand what I'm saying? You wouldn't dare think about that. You understand what I'm saying? So your value will match his value if you let him give you that value. If you're not going to listen to him, he's just going to do what you want to do. You understand what I'm saying? Now, he's not going to fight you on it, but he'll reveal it to you. And it should be important to you who you marry. It should be very important to you. But people just, some of them just won't get, you get the goddess, huh? Goddess will get you, huh? So oftentimes it's not so important to God to reveal the personal aspects of your life, what kind of job you get, you know, just get something you like. You understand me? Get something, but the things that are kingdom important, he will point those out to you. He said, now you can have freedom to mess this up around here if you want to, but this you don't mess up. When God calls you to ministry, you don't mess that up. Huh? If he don't call you to a fivefold, everybody wants to be fivefold. I don't understand why. Because if you're really not called to do this, it's going to be hard to work your little voodoo. See, to a carnal person, what I'm doing looks like bossing people around. And so people who have that in them that don't care about you, they want it for that reason. Some people think this is getting a lot of money and, oh, look, they go and pick her up and drive her. Listen, if I had to drive myself, would the whole show would stop. So God gives me... He gives you grace to come pick me up and me mercy to just sit in there for two hours till I get home in one piece. And believe I'm getting there. Or I'll text Pastor Shirley. (laughs) I think they went to sleep at the wheel. What do I do? Pray home. Pray turnpike. Huh? 
Hey, it's hard whichever way you look at it. It ain't, this is no piece of pie. That's all I'm trying to tell you. What I do, it's, it's necessary to do. I don't have you coming over my house picking me up to take me shopping and stuff like that. Come on now. We're doing the work of the ministry here. But people want it anyway. They always want something either they're not qualified for, not called to do, not equipped to do, and not thinking about equipping yourself. The first thing I did when I found out I was called to preach, I said, God, who's going to teach me? I don't want to do anything until I know. And people jump up all the time and think they're ready. Jeez. Have some respect, man. And let me say this while I'm saying this. You don't leave your house nasty and go out to preach nowhere. Now that ought to stop most of y'all. What you going to talk about? You know, God puts you through challenges and you get successes and you have testimonies to share with people about how the word worked for you. What you going to say when you get up here? God knows that we will follow our talents and passions and have natural success. And that's allowed. You know, you can you can have a good job. You can have things. You can have everything. You can have a family. You can have children. All that kind of stuff. But if you are a Christian, you must seek God's leading in all of these things. Don't dare make the mistake of getting anxious for something and stepping into something prematurely. You'll be there for a long time trying to get out of that snare. It's a snare of the devil. Huh? You will. I'd rather grow old alone than to be miserable in the pairs. You got me? I learned how to trust God. If you're married before you get saved, now I was married before I got saved. Now many people will use this as an excuse. They want to get rid of somebody. Uh, oh, I know I can't do my ministry. They, they just hinder me. It ain't hindering you from nothing. You understand what I'm saying? What's hindering you is you. Because you know you was halfway wanting to get rid of that brother before you got saved. Huh? You need to let God soften your heart and learn what love is. How are you going to win the world to Christ and you can't win your household? You get quiet on me if you want to. I don't care. I'll talk to myself. All right. So king things that are kingdom related, God will emphasize. He'll do it through a vision, a dream, a prophecy. Many times you, well, prophets will be able to discern a call or a gift or something like that in an individual. Learn how to pray over those things and put them, listen, put them on the front burner. You got me? You don't see Joseph didn't go away back to his house and then years later fall into the snare with the brother this thing happened immediately when he was called so immediately when you're called and god makes you aware of it he sets things in motion for you to start getting prepared for that because at this point it ain't you ain't got time to waste you ain't got time to waste with how you feel about it god's dealing with me and if i don't you're called to die immediately This is what happened to Joseph. 
He was a dead man as far as his father was concerned, as far as his brothers was concerned. He died to everything that was familiar to him in his life and in his situation. The first step that you take in fulfilling what God's called you to do will look like a step backwards. His dream centered around his family. Now he was taken away from his family. So he just had to keep swimming. He had no choice but to go with the flow. He was promised power, but now he was powerless. He was enslaved. So you have to go with the flow. So your next step into your destiny may look like a step backwards, and from the natural perspective may even be a step backwards. But from, from a kingdom perspective, you're on the right road. So you have to understand the difference between walking by sight and natural means of doing things and walking by faith and not seeing anything. Huh? When you walk by faith, many things will be a surprise to you. I'm going to say it again. As people, you know, we call ourselves faith people. We call it, we pray and we ask God for stuff. And then when it comes, we most shocked. This is how God supplied that need for us. Huh? Why? Because we've been looking in natural way. Number one, we look lack too much. Huh? If you're focused on what you don't have, what you do have, and God will put in your hand and you won't even know you got it. Huh? People lose money all the time that way. They don't understand. They're so focused on what they don't have. What they do have is never enough, but God's grace and what you are provided is always sufficient for you. You have all sufficiency. You don't lack anything. God, your father owns everything. He's not sitting up there telling you he owns everything so he can keep it from you. He's telling you so you can ask him for that. And you could expect him to provide for you. What kind of parent would tell their kid they rich and not give them none of their money? He won't live long. I tell you, <laughs> kids find out you got something. You history pretty much. You understand what I'm saying? Some people are like that. Don't mess with people. You know, anybody with good sense wouldn't tell you, divulge to you, all that they possess without a purpose to it. And that is sharing it with you. That's what God tells us for. So we have to lean on on what's invisible. Joseph didn't know how to do that. Uh, God's plan always involves getting us to the proper location for him to do what he needs to do as the next step. So a change is going to come. When when God tells you he's not going to bring stuff to you. Like I couldn't believe God to bring to me Bible school and all those things. I had to go pursue those things. So that I could get proper teaching. I had to pursue sitting under certain teachers. I had to pursue finding money out of my household budget to buy the books that I knew that I needed so that I can learn. You understand what I'm saying? So you will have a change of location physically, mentally, spiritually, everything. You have to go out of where you are to find out what the next step is in God. And you can't create the next step yourself. You have to wait for him to reveal what that stuff is to you. You wouldn't know the next step to make anyway. You wouldn't know the next step. So our only, sometimes in walking by faith, our only validation comes when we have evidence that God is with us. And so God will give you enough evidence 
to know that he's with you at different times during your walk of faith. For Joseph, it was in Potiphar's house. So that's in Genesis 39. Let me see where it is. Genesis 39. I think in verse in one, Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites would have brought him down down there. And verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. That's how you know you're on the right road. That's the only confidence you get, the only reassurance. If God is not pleased with where you are, he won't be with you, and he'll move you and get you to where you need to be. You just won't stay there. But if God is pleased with where you are, he will work with you, just like he worked with Joseph. He said he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He wasn't prosperous because of Potiphar. He was prosperous himself. And he caused the overflow, fell over on Potiphar. You got me? There's a big difference. Because if you have prosperity in you, you can go anywhere you want to go. And that thing will follow you and you will be blessed and prospered as long as it's God's, God's permission to do it. The more prosperous you are, though, sometimes the more restricted your life is. So you got to look for that, too. What, what, what it means as prosperous, it means that he never failed at anything he attempted. Amen. He never failed. In it, and that's how you t- determine prosperity. Well, the heck, they can do all kinds of stuff. This works well for them. That works well. That's prosperity, folks. Everything you set your hand to works out well. Amen. It works out well. But you got to set your hand to something. Amen. You got to set your hand to something. So prosperity comes and we are reassured we're on the right road. You're not there yet, but you're reassured you're on the right road. Joseph, right at this point in Potiphar's house, is probably satisfied with his position. You know, everything's working well. You know, he's on a short leash. He can't go nowhere. You know, but where he can, you know, he can tan it up in his own little circle. You know, just in that little house that he tied up in or whatever. However, they keep slaves under control. Probably had guards over that household. And, you know, you couldn't just get free. But as far as... Having the freedom of God, Joseph had as much freedom as he ever would have needed right then and right there. And he probably sensed that. So he said, shoot, I can do this forever, you know, and let God do what he wants to do. So that prosperity takes the sting out of your bondage. You got me? It takes the sting out of that. And that's really all it's for is to show you God is with you. There's good coming to you. You can do good things. You're a valuable person, but yet you're not all the way free. That's the way we Christians are supposed to live. You're not free to do everything you feel like you want to do. You know, these people uh, on uh, YouTube drinking and Christian ministers passing out condoms. How dare they take people to hell like that? I'd rather not do anything. If that's as much you feel you can do. Now, see, the devil is getting in people like that. If that's as much you feel you can do for for young people, leave them alone. Huh? Just leave them alone. It'll be better for you. You didn't do that kind of stuff. You just leave people alone. That's all you feel you can do for them. 
But when we're assured we're on the right road, we have a confidence that we can stay there forever. So Joseph probably felt like that. You know, if you know, I can I'm content right where I am. And that's the way God wants you to live every day. He wants you to be content with that. That's why he prospers you. That's why he helps you to, to you know, when you feel good about your work, you can feel good about yourself. And so he, he goes about doing these things for us to give us that contentment that we are not failures. That everything that we set our hands to will prosper. So, and, but Joseph, I'm sure, probably longs for his home because there's something nagging at him and showing him that he is not in the right place. And that's God. Amen. It's not because he needs to go back home and he misses home, but God knows this is only a temporary situation for him. So what does God do? He restricts his life even more. He gets him falsely accused. This is all God's plan, folks. You know, you, you, can't, you can't just look at these things and say, well, that's the devil. Well, if that's the devil, where's God? Yeah. See, God will never give the devil more power. But sometimes we need to see Jesus coming through us in situations. He was falsely accused. So was Joseph. He was sold by the people he came to bless. So was Joseph. You see what I'm saying? And so these stories set us up to understand what Jesus would be like. So they recognize him when he gets here. You got me? And so Joseph being in prison the way he was for his faith and his goodness. He only did good in Potiphar's household. Refused to do evil. But he still got falsely accused and in prison. And so God allowed Joseph to be in prison falsely. Why? Why would he have to endure? So that he could allow God total freedom to run his life. As long as we have natural strength, we will use it. And God knows we'll use it. Huh? I knows I'll use it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so if we're restrained and restricted and we can't do certain things and we're... <clears throat> You, got, you stay in that, that straight or that constraint until you finally relax and let go of it and allow God to then take the reins and direct your life. It's a step toward your goal. It's a step toward prosperity. It's something to allow endurance to help you to get through. Some people, you know, they're in a bad job. Well, a bad job is better than no job. All jobs are bad to a degree because you got to get up and go to them. Uh, Here's the truth. I mean, you can psych yourself up and pump yourself up, but it's still eight hours for somebody else. Huh? And if you're working for yourself, it's twice as bad. Huh? Because you don't know when the next job is coming. Huh? So you got that to worry about, too. So work, work is going to be like that. Huh? It's the sting of the curse. It's on everything that we do, folks. Now, you don't, you're not bound by it, but you're going to taste a little bit of that. You have a distasteful job. You know, somebody you think is setting you up for it. Don't get involved in all that, them shenanigans. You know, just go there every day and do what you're supposed to do and wait for God's deliverance. So he gets us in these situations that we don't like in the natural but if you flip over and let your spirit man begin to take over and do. See, you shouldn't be going there in the flesh no way. 
You ain't no match for the devil. These people in these jobs, man, you ain't no match for them. Some of these people sit up all night long trying to figure out how to get somebody else's job in these situations. You understand what I'm saying? You're no match for that. Huh? When you go home, you go to sleep at night. Somebody else is sitting up plotting how they're going to get what you got. So you don't have time for all of that. You've got to go in there trusting God. And go in there in the authority of your spirit man so you can endure. Not so you can go tell people off. And tell them don't be messing with a child of God. God going to come in here and kill all of y'all messing with a child. No, don't go in there like that. You go in there humble, proper, do your job. Amen. Be thankful for your paycheck. Be thankful you got a job. It's like Joseph was. And come on out. huh? He just was looking for more stuff to do. So he gets down in the prison and, and takes over the jail. The jailer saw it size. And the jailer said, well, this boy can do everything. Let me give me some rest. So he gave the keys to Joseph. Let him come and go as he wanted to. See? See, when favor is on your life, there's no limit to how high you can go in it. For if somebody was in jail, he went pretty high. Because huh? the jailer trusted him. He even think about Joseph walking out of there. He just knew he was going to be there. Joseph starts having dreams again. Same trouble that he got blabbed in. And this is the thing that God has to see in the end here. If he gives you a gift and the administration of that gift gets in your flesh and gets you in trouble, he's going to have to work with you. This is all about making sure that the next time, Joseph, you get a dream, you don't go blab it off like that. It's all about teaching him self-control, discipline, discretion, how to judge between when he's in the flesh and when he's in the spirit. How to speak. The only way he's going to learn that is somebody else is going to have to tell him, shut up and don't say nothing. See, his daddy never told him that. You teach your children discipline and that kind of stuff, then the world won't have to teach it to them. See, Joseph could have easily learned that at home. But he was gifted, but he didn't learn it. His brothers would have to learn other things as well. But that's something that he had to learn. God deals with us in the must-do things, not all these peripheral things. What we think is a problem in somebody else's life, God could care less about that many times. That's the biggest thing in the world. Well, they don't say this right. They don't rub, they rub people the wrong way. He could care less about you rubbing somebody. As long as you're in a position where what he's put you in this earth floor for will, will be successful, he'll work with you. That's what we don't like about God. It'll be people we think should be written off a long time ago and they're still hanging in there. God's still using them. You understand? Because we're no judge about other people's character and that kind of stuff. Only God can judge that. Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him all his life. They thought he was worthless, no good, so they threw him over into a pit. But God saw value in him and pulled him out of there. You understand me? He sees value in people all the time where we don't see the value in those individuals. So God begins to work with Joseph. He gets Joseph to the point where he understands, I got to hold it until God tells me to release it. It's his biggest problem, releasing things too soon, out of season to the wrong people. 
You see the trouble it got him into in his family. Think what would happen if he got into a bigger platform. Running his mouth too much, wrong things. God said, God told me, God's going to do this, God's going to do that. That's why people have great failures sometimes if they don't learn discipline. And so God has to teach Joseph discipline. The quickest, fastest, easiest way to teach it was the way he taught it to him. Sometimes the fast track is a hard track. But God will get you there where he wants you to be. God sees a famine coming that he's not going to stop from coming. So he has to drum up somebody in a hurry to get them over there so that they can do what he wants them to do. And he's got to train them. And he's got to discipline them. And he's got to put them through their paces. There's a lot of work to do, folks. You understand what I'm saying? People are not called and developed overnight. They're developed over a period of time. And so God has to take his time developing Joseph so that when he pulls him out of there and puts clean clothes on him and shaves him and gives him authority and gives him a position, he won't abuse it. If he wanted to give that power to Pharaoh, Pharaoh was already sitting there, but Pharaoh would have abused it. We know that because when, he, when Pharaoh didn't get an answer and God didn't talk to him about what he was going to do, we knew he wasn't the one. You got me? God doesn't disqualify somebody who's qualified. He will qualify the people he wants to see put there. If he could have trusted the Pharaohs to administer this, he would have done it. You understand me? But God wanted somebody he could trust to save all of those starving people. God has an obligation to take care of people. And that's what Joseph's job was. If Joseph had seen that clearly in a dream when he was little, he wouldn't have wanted it. But God spoke to him in a figure, some leaves, some wheat, bowing to some wheat. That's enough to tell this boy because he, he got a little crazy on him, you know, walking around in his Pierre Cardin coat and all that kind of stuff, trying to look all glamorous. You understand what I'm saying? He, he's got to do something to take the glamour out of us. He could never, in the, the condition Joseph was in as a young boy, he could never have given him a title. Huh? That's why God doesn't title us oftentimes at the beginning. He'll just say, you're called to preach or you're called to teach. I'm telling you enough right there. So get, get to get in your book. Huh? Start studying and look for the next step. So he tells you enough to feed your spirit to know that you, you've got a job to do for him, but he doesn't feed you enough to get in your flesh to cause you to derail the whole. It's important how we handle what God gives us, folks. It's important how we handle spiritual information. It's important. But you've got to know also that God will orchestrate your life so that when you step into it, you won't be able to mess it up. Huh? He'll keep you constrained in such a way that you can't mess these things up. Be thankful for that. You want to have success in everything. You don't want to get down the road and start goofing things up. Where you And people look at you and say, well, they used to be so on fire for God. They used to do so much for God. I wonder what happened to them. Huh? You broke out of your restraint. That's all. We got a lot of runaway slaves out here. Should be restrained and tied up and shouldn't be preaching and shouldn't be, definitely shouldn't be taking nobody's money for what they're doing. You understand me? But it had broke free anyway. Well, God will catch up with them. This much I do know. 
because we serve a holy and we serve a just God. But we also serve a God who, if he loves you and he has something planned for you that has kingdom significance, and most of us do, in fact, we all do, he will restrain you and he will keep you in a place until you have the character developed so that you can carry it out successfully. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word, for understanding content than others. But he's got us all. And we do have wonderful, heavenly things to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord is saying, be obedient to the heavenly calling. Be obedient to the heavenly calling. Some are called to work up front. Some are called to work behind the scenes. Some are called as catalysts in this work. Some of them will fire people up. And some of them will walk away from things and with regret, wanting to get back involved. And the Lord's saying that I always want to involve you in things. If there are things that you know you didn't give it your full attention at the proper season, I still want to work with you in that, says the Spirit of God. I still want to work with you in that, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, God's saying to some people, you know you put off and put off and put off and put off. God's saying, when will you say yes to me? When will you say, yes, Lord? Yes, I'll do it. 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 Say yes to me, says the Lord. And I will position you and I will set you in a place where you can take the next step of faith. Where you can prosper and do well. Where you can receive every good thing that I have for you, says the Lord. But you must say yes to me. You must merely say yes. Say yes to what I've told you I want you to do. Say yes to what I've commanded you to do. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. And I'll do the rest of it. Just as I did with Joseph, I will make you a faithful person. I will make you a person of integrity. I will make you a person who won't stop and won't quit. Just say yes to me, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes is already paid for, says the Lord. (laughs) Now, the Lord's saying this. This is the fear with people. People are afraid what it's going to cost if they say yes to me. Afraid they won't be able to do all the things they want to do first and me first. The Lord says no is expensive. Yes has already been paid for. i say it again. No is expensive. But yes has already been paid for. Doing it later in my book is the same thing as no, says the Lord. No is expensive, but yes has been paid for, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord says, just meet with me in the secret place. And say yes. And take the easy road. 
the light burden and the easy yoke. Just say yes to me. Just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up on you. I don't know if it's one, many people or what, but someone in your life, you feel like you're tied down. Uh, Joseph was shackled. The Bible says that they had his legs in irons. The fetters hurt his feet. And some of the pain that you feel is wrestling against where God has you tied down. The Lord says, stop struggling. Joseph got to the point where he stopped struggling. And he allowed the work of the Lord to proceed in his life. And he was released. Amen. He was totally released from his shackles and from his bonds. And if we would just quit resisting the restraint of God because it is a holy restraint. Sometimes it's put on by people in the natural. But if you belong to God, it's a holy restraint. God said if we will quit struggling, the pain will cease. The difficulty will stop and you can proceed in the plan of God and be on time with where he wants to get you to. You'll be on time where he wants you to go because he will make up all these things, all the years of hardship and struggle. He will make up. Just say yes to him and mean it. Just say yes. Quit struggling and you'll be fine, says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Today, bless.